You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Welcome everyone to Grace Family Church. Guys, how are we doing? Hopefully, hey, we're one church, many locations. I want to welcome a special group of people. Those watching online right now, we got people watching as far away as China, guys. China, Pakistan, and Germany. Come on, let's give it up for our online audience. We're in our second week of our series on the Holy Spirit. And last week, Pastor Mike shared a statement that just weighed on me all week. He said, the Holy Spirit is a person to know, not a principle to learn. The Holy Spirit is a person to know, not a principle to learn. And even when I think about people in China and Pakistan and watch it online, the Holy Spirit has no boundaries. The Holy Spirit is a person to know. And if he's a person to know, that means he's someone that we can experience. You know, experiencing the person of the Holy Spirit impacts our life now and our eternity. Experiencing the person of the Holy Spirit impacts our life now, our day-to-day, and it impacts eternity. You know, speaking of experiences, I mean, experiences are things that kind of, they, they shape our beliefs, our behaviors. They shape our future. They're things that we talk about. You know, it's, it's kind of like Tampa, right? Tampa is, well, it's a foodie town, and I don't know if it's a foodie town. I'm just a foodie person, and I like to eat. But, you know, when I think about Tampa and people come to Tampa, they're like, Ralph, hey, man, give me some good restaurants. I mean, I'm looking for a good steakhouse. And, you know, we always have this debate, man, do we send them to Charlie's or do we send them to Burns? You know what I mean? I mean, I, some of us are Charlie's people. I'm kind of a Charlie guy because I just want my steak, you know, or a Longhorns. I mean, balling on a budget. You know what I'm saying? No, they have some good steaks there. But if you want to have an experience, you go to Burns. I mean, at Burns, you, they, the, the waiters have to go through a year of training before they can wait on a table. You don't just show up at Burns and, get a, and just apply for a job. and you, They put you on a table. At Burns, they grow their own vegetables and they actually, they, they take the vegetables from the garden that they own and straight to the table. At Burns, you, you walk through a cellar of wine that has over a half a million bottles. 100 years old, finest wines. They, they have a backup generator for their wine cellar. When you're, at, when you're at Burns, they have a table that you can reserve in the kitchen where they're cooking and they're around you and you, you can watch everything, you can tour. And then at Burns, you can go to the dessert room and get you a macadamia nut with a hot waffle cone and, oh. <laughs> macadamia nut Sunday? See, at Burns, it's an experience. It, it, <laughs> Anybody want to go to Burns? I mean, come on, like y'all like, yeah, man, hey, put me on Burns. I, I wanted a steak earlier. But you know what? I don't just want to know the Holy Spirit. I want to have an experience with the Holy Spirit. 
Man, I want to walk with him. I want to talk with him. I want to pray with and through him. I want him to show up in my life. I want him to show up in my wife's life. I want him to show up in my family's life. I want him to show up in my kid's life. I want him to show up in my granddaughter's life. I want to move through life led by the Holy Spirit. I want him to guide my every decision. I want when things come up for me to say, Holy Spirit, what should I do right now? I want to experience the Holy Spirit. Because see, here's what we know. What we experience changes our lives. And it creates memories and the stories we tell. What we experience changes our lives and creates memories and the stories that we eventually tell. You know, when I think about having a relationship and experiencing the Holy Spirit again, it impacts our life and eternity. There's a lot of questions that come up about the Holy Spirit. Man, Ralph, how do I hear the Holy Spirit? You know, Ralph, there's, there's always this voice in my head, and I don't know about you, but there's two voices in my head. And I, I mean, how do I know which one? You ain't the only person with two voices in your head. How do I know if he's leading me and guiding me? How do I know the person of the Holy Spirit? Does he still speak to us? You know, the thing about the Holy Spirit is this. Many of us can have different experiences with the Holy Spirit. Over hundreds of years, people are like, oh, no, you experience him like this. And you, there's books written and libraries full of it. But you know who has the best experience with the Holy Spirit? The first Christians. I want you to close your eyes with me for a second. I want to take you back to a time where there were no churches on every corner. I want to take you back to a time where there was no internet, there was no social media, there was no one bombarding you with information. And these disciples hung out with Jesus for three years. And they hung out with Jesus for three years and Jesus tells them, hey, I gotta go away and prepare a place for you. But it's better for me to go so that I may send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will comfort you he will keep you, and all I want you to do is wait for you to be endured with power. Now open your eyes. You know, Jesus is in heaven right now. We have the same exact resources as the first disciples. So the question on the table for the rest of our time together is how did they experience the Holy Spirit? We're going to go back to being a disciple, how did they experience the Holy Spirit? Not what our uncle did and our auntie and our denomination does this and that, 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 No, how did they experience the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing they did was turn to God. The first thing they did was turn to God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We find this in Ephesians 1.13. It says, and now you Gentiles, when you heard the truth, everybody say, you heard the truth. The good news that God saved you. That's good news, man. The good news that God saved you. And when you believed, everybody say they believed. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own, giving you the Holy Spirit. So there's no need in us talking about the Holy Spirit if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the door. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And for some of us, he's been knocking all our life. And if you open the door, I'll come in and I'll fellowship with you. But he won't leave you the same. He's going to give you a gift, 
when you open the door that will keep you called the person of the Holy Spirit. So they turned to God. The next thing they did was this. They read their Bible. They read their Bible. And you're probably saying, Ralph, wait a minute. They had Bibles? They had the scriptures. They immersed themselves in scriptures. I want you to watch this. And they had a decision to make. Anybody make decisions? I mean, you got decisions to make. You got to figure out what school your kid going to go to. You got to figure out for my singles, you got to figure out who you're going to marry. Is he the right one? Is she the right one? You got to figure out what school to send your kids to. You got to figure out some things in life. Making hard decisions. Where do you turn when you make decisions? You should turn to the scriptures. Because see, the decision they had to make is this, man. What are we going to do about replacing Judas? If you remember, Judas was the one that betrayed Jesus. And so they had an empty seat on the bus. And they're like, man, what should we do? And watch this. Here's what it says in Acts 1.15. It says, during that time, when about 120 believers were together, everybody say they were together. They were together in one place. Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures. What scriptures? That was the Greek Septuagint, guys. They had the Old Testament. And watch him quote the Old Testament. Had to be fulfilled uh, concerning Judas, he who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit. It was predicted that Judas would betray, would betray Jesus, I can talk, through the Holy Spirit. 900 years prior, speaking through King David. So the Holy Spirit speaks through us. Let's jump down to verse 20. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms where it says, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. I can imagine Peter sitting outside reading his Bible. Lord, Holy Spirit, what are we going to do about Judas and him leading him to the book of Psalms as he turned the pages? in the Greek, Septuagint. And he'll lead you too. When you're making your decision, man, God, who should I vote for? Would you help guide that decision? Lord, who should I marry? Is he saved? Is he born again? Who should I talk? Should I, should I continue to date him? Lord, am I missionary dating right now? Lord, I know I'm not supposed to be unequally yoked. God, help me in my marriage. I'm going to turn to Ephesians 5. Help me in my marriage, God. Help me to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself. Holy Spirit, speak to me about dwelling with her with understanding. Holy Spirit, would you help me to respect my husband, Holy Spirit? Oh, that's right there. Help me, help me to discover. Because see, the language of the Holy Spirit is the Bible. This is where he speaks. Right here. And you might be sitting there saying, well, Ralph, man, everything ain't in the Bible, bro. Like, that's an old book. Was, I mean, Peter was able to find something that was in there. But even if you can't find it in the Bible, let's, let's set the record straight. If you look at Ephes I mean, uh, Galatians 5, you'll see what's called the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, man, you see love. You see joy. You see peace. You see patience. You see kindness, you see goodness, you see faithfulness, you see gentleness, and you see self-control. 
So now you can align your thoughts with the fruit of the Spirit and know if those thoughts are you or the Holy Spirit. In other words, your thoughts might tell you, go over there and slap that person right now. That ain't the Holy Spirit. Man, you should go over there and watch that porn. Nah, ain't the Holy Spirit. Man, you know what? She mad at you. You should just go out, man, and turn up like it used to be. Man, you go ahead and put that marriage on the shelf. Nah, that, that ain't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, man, go and love her as Christ loved the church. The Holy Spirit says, figure out how to have conversation and figure it out because God hates divorce. The Holy Spirit says, man, you know what? Be kind and gentle to your children. Speak to them in love. Raise them up in the fear of the Lord. Love them and care for them. Because see, many times we are the hands and feet of Jesus right there with our children. I can tell you some of them don't trust God because the Christians that live in their home ain't living up to what Christianity is supposed to be. And they're like, if that's Christianity, I've had them tell me, if that's Christianity, Rob, I don't want it. It's humbling to realize that he speaks to us not only from the scriptures, but he speaks to us by his fruit. And I pray that the Holy Spirit, the, the person of the Holy Spirit that we're getting to know would show up, his fruit would show up in our life and in our actions. The second way they experienced the Holy Spirit is they served as worship. They served as worship. Now, when we read this verse, I want you to understand that this was a diverse group of people. I mean, they had women, they had children, they had people from all nations and ethnicities. I want you to listen to this. Among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called a black man, Lucius from Serene, Minion, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul. I want y'all to remember that name. And Saul was there. There's five people amongst them. And one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint unto me Barnabas and Saul for the special work that I have for them to do. And when I read that, I was like, man, this is going to be awesome because one, the Holy Spirit spoke. And when the Holy Spirit spoke, they were worshiping and fasting. I'm like, God, I get it. You speak when we worship and fast. So all I got to do is invite the, the, uh, the worship team back out. We lift our hands and we fast and you speak. And he's like, no, that, it's not that simple. And then I started looking at other versions and I'm like, okay, it says they served and they ministered to the Lord. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And so I pulled up this Greek word there. And it's called litagero. Litagero. It means to offer service at one's own expense. So they served at worship. They served as worship. They didn't say, man, I work 900 hours a week, Ralph. I don't have time to serve. They served as worship. Their worship cost them something. They had a posture that allowed God to speak to them because they were serving God. They were not serving a church. They were serving the God of the church. They were serving the God who's the foundation of the church. They were not caught up in a name. They were caught up in the name that's above every name, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They were looking unto him when they were serving. 
And I, and I realized this, that God is not so concerned with lifted hands. He's concerned with hands that lift. He's concerned with hands on our prayer team that encourage people every week and lift them up and edify them. He's encouraged by hands like the women who serve behind the scenes at the men's conference so that men can get in here and worship the Lord and honor him on that weekend. He's concerned by hands that lift like the men who serve behind the scenes in the beautiful conference when the women are in here getting fed. He's concerned by hand, by, about hands that lift when our disaster recovery team went down and men took time off from work and went down and changed the lives of people. He's concerned about hands that lift like the women in our uh, clubhouse when they grab your child and they bring them in and they change that diaper before you pick them up so that you can be in here and worship the Lord. He's concerned about hands that lift. These, he's not concerned about this. Man, this is great. Don't get me wrong. I, oh, I lift my hands, but this is a sign of surrenderance to the God of my salvation. But if I'm truly surrendered, I'm serving. And you might say, oh, bro, here we go again, man. You want me to volunteer? No, I don't want you to volunteer. I want you to serve. God ain't looking for volunteers, man. That's the word we put on it. Yeah, do your community. Now, this ain't community service, bro. This, we serve the God of the heavens and the earth. This ain't... Because it's in the place of serving where the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So they experienced the Holy Spirit by reading their Bible, being immersed in Scripture. They experienced the Holy Spirit by serving as worship. They experienced the Holy Spirit by prayer and community. By prayer and community. Watch this Scripture in Acts 13, 3-5. So after more prayer and fasting, you mean the Holy Spirit spoke and them jokers started praying and fasting again? So after more praying and fasting, the men laid their hands on them. Oh, we live in a post-COVID culture. Don't touch me. They actually put their hands on them, y'all. You know what this means in the Bible? When you see them lay hands on people, it was a sign of affirmation. It's a sign of sending out. I'm in agreement with you. May the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit go with you. They laid hands on them and sent them their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. And they went and they preached the gospel. But they were in prayer and community. When, when you look at those five verses, Acts 13, 1 through 5, about the church at Antioch, six people are named that were praying and in community. And you know, we have powerful prayer teams on every campus. But you know, every week that prayer team comes up and people stand up and turn around and walk the other way. It's like they're running, like it's a plague. Like, oh no, don't know what's going on with me. Ralph, don't, I don't want anybody to know. I don't want anybody to know. Well, we're going to find out anyway. In about two years, it's going to be on social media that you're single. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I've been here 10 years, and I see it over and over and over again. You disappear, and all of a sudden, you show up, and, and nobody knows what happened. It's because we're not praying in the community. Come on, come on. God never intended for any of us to walk through life alone. And I'm really tired of seeing it. I'm tired of dealing with it. Man, let's address your brokenness before it's broke. 
Let's address your brokenness before it's broke. In fact, let's dig up the seed before the tree grows. Let's work it out as a community and as a faith. Let's pray for each other. Barner did some research. Barner, Barner Research says this about the evangel- evangelical church in America. 92% of evangelicals pray by themselves all the time. 92%. 2% pray with other people. That's not Bible, guys. That's, you don't find it. Yeah, you can pray by yourself. Don't get me wrong. Pray by yourself. Spend your time alone with Jesus. But you pray and you live and you dwell in community. The Holy Spirit uses others, other believers to be a part of the of experience in him. The Holy Spirit uses other believers as a part of experiencing him. He lives in all of us. He lives in all of us. I'm reminded a buddy of mine named Jeff, and I'll, I'll wrap this part of prayer and community. His brother passed away of cancer. And Jeff gave me a call. He's like, man, Ralph, my brother passed away. And I was like, Jeff, you need anything? Here's what Jeff said to me. And, and, and this sums it up. This, is, this sums it up. He says, no, man, I'm good. My wife is here consoling me. And tomorrow, I'm going to be with the men in my men's group. And they've been reaching out to me. I'm good, Pastor Ralph. That should be the testimony of everyone, that, everyone that's a believer. I'm in community, and the community is wrapping their arms around me, and they're comforting me with the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in them. They're stepping into my mess and helping me out. You know, we experience the Holy Spirit by studying and reading the Word. We experience the Holy Spirit by serving as worship. We experience the Holy Spirit by prayer and community. But we also experience the Holy Spirit when we're obedient. Man, what do you do when the Holy Spirit speaks to you? And I, and I want to tell you something. And it's more like it should be extreme obedience. I'll be honest with you. I would not be standing on this stage if it wasn't for extreme obedience Ralph getting out of the military don't make sense to come on staff at a church. It's extreme obedience. And Paul says this in Acts 20, He says, and now I'm compelled. Have you ever been compelled by the Holy Spirit? A fire inside of you is pushing you forward. You can't explain it. You can't really do anything about it. Sometimes people say you get a little too excited. You're, you're, but he was compelled by the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I'm compelled. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships await me. However, I consider my life as nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. To finish the race and complete the task the Holy Spirit had, that Jesus has given me. To finish the race and complete the task that, that Jesus has given me. I don't, I've lost my life. All I want to do is finish the race and complete the task the Holy Spirit has given me. To finish the race, complete the task that Jesus has given me. That is purpose, my friends. That is purpose. See, everybody, you know, five, five steps to your purpose. No, one step to your purpose is the Holy Spirit. All you need is one word from Jesus to tell you you need to go win your family. You got to run your race. All you need is one word from Jesus to tell you, I got a task for you to do. 
Run your race. And one day you're going to run your race and you're going to get to the finish line and you're going to bow your knees before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. Well done. Well done, Ralph. You've been obedient. You served as worship, Ralph. You prayed in community, Ralph. You studied your word, Ralph. Well done. Finish your race. That's what I'm trying to hear, man. That's what I'm trying to hear. But we're so distracted. We're so distracted in this life, man. Everything is pulling at our attention and all this craziness. Man, when we experience the Holy Spirit, it impacts our life now and eternity. It impacts our life. You know, living a life in relationship with the Holy Spirit has an eternal impact. I'm going to tell you about one more guy. He was an early church father and apostle. His name was Stephen. Stephen found himself in a situation in Acts 7, and he was accused of doing some things wrong. Anybody ever been accused of doing something wrong? Like, I mean, it's just, they accused him, they lied on him. And, and Stephen is known as a man full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and full of grace. He's full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and full of grace. That looks good on my tombstone. He's full of the Holy Spirit, full of grace and faith. That's what he was known for. And so he's talking to these people that's accusing him of doing something wrong. And he preaches the greatest sermon. He preached one sermon his whole life. And he preached it like it was his last sermon because that's what it was. He preached the gospel from Abraham to Jesus. And as he was preaching, the people looked at him and they started to get upset. And here's what he said to them. You stiff Next, stubborn people, you always resist the Holy Spirit just like your fathers. You always resist. How many of you know you can resist the Holy Spirit? He's a person. You can resist him like you resist people. Like, "Ah, I don't want that. They resisted the Holy Spirit. And here's where we pick up on this verse. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. And let me say this to you right quick. If you can be full of something, that means there's a measure. There's a measure. Some of us got a little bit of the Holy Spirit in us, and we need to get filled up. Some of us got, we about halfway, man. We've been going through life, and our Holy Spirit, we broken, and Holy Spirit spilling out everywhere. We've been grieving the Holy Spirit, living the way that we want to live. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, and he gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. That's where Jesus is. And he told them, the people that were stoning him, Look, I see the heavens opening and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Watch this. Then they put their hands over their ears and begin shouting, Ah, we don't want to hear what you got to say no more. We don't want to hear that truth anymore. Stephen, shut up. And this is what they did. They rushed at him and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. They started to kill him. His accusers took their coats off and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Remember that name? They, they laid the coats at Saul's feet. And as they stoned them, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And that daddy died. And Saul was one of the witnesses consenting to his death. 
See, what I learned from the scripture is when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you start to sound a lot like Jesus. See, when Jesus died, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Stephen sounds just like Jesus. When you're full of the Spirit, you just start to sound like Jesus when things happen in your life. You don't sound like yourself anymore. You don't get mad like you used to. You ain't angry like you used to. The people at work start to notice, like, bro, you got a lot of patience now. What's going on with you? And you can tell them, that's the Holy Spirit. I can't, I can't explain it either. Like, he's, he's inside of me, and he's living, and he's a person. And he's impacting my life because I'm experiencing him in the morning when I cry out to him. I'm experiencing him in my car when I'm driving to work with him. I experience him in the break room. I experience him on my breaks. I can't explain it, but I'm changed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Then there's this guy named Saul standing there. The guy holding the coats, killing the first Christian. Saul became Paul. Anybody like the book of Ephesians? That's Paul, the guy holding the coats. Anybody like 1st and 2nd Corinthians? Corinthians 13, you got it read at your wedding and it's the love chapter. He was holding the coats. Come on. Come on. You 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, we read it at, at, at funerals that this hope being you don't, don't, don't lose hope like the world. Because you got hope beyond the grave that was written by the dude holding the coats. Because see, here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your life, he changes your name and changes your eternity. He leaves a lasting expression on you because when you experience the Holy Spirit, it changes your life now and your eternity. All of a sudden, you start to say things like he said in Acts 20. Man, I've lost my life. All I want to do is finish the race that Jesus has called me to. So what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into our life? Jesus is the door. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's been knocking, man. For some of you, he's been knocking a long time. For some of you, he's been knocking this week. You're here right now because he's been knocking. And he wants to come into relationship with you today. So I want you to bow your heads all over this room, those watching online. Let's bow our heads in the presence of our God. And if you're here right now and you're saying, Ralph, man, I want to commit or recommit my life to Christ. I need that gift you're talking about, man. I need to know the Holy Spirit, but I need to start over with Jesus or start with Jesus. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. You can say it silently in your seat or you can say it out loud. Say, Father God, I acknowledge my sin. I place my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Forgive me for my sins and give me the gift of the Holy Spirit today. It's a guarantee that I belong to you. Start today and I'll be with you for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's give it up for people all over the world. The Holy Spirit has no boundaries. Now I want to check your obedience right quick. If you recommitted your life or committed your life, I want you to take your phone out and text the word yes to 81313. Here's what's going to happen. We want to come alongside you in community and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you're saying, Ralph, you know what? I want more of that Holy Spirit that you've been talking about, the person of the Holy Spirit. In the prayer, we're having a class, November 2nd, at the Carrollwood campus, November 2nd, you can find it on the app at 7 o'clock. There's going to be a deep dive in the Holy Spirit. And there you can discover the gifts of the Spirit. There you can discover all that the Holy Spirit has for you. We did something a little different today, guys. We're ending a little early, so I don't want you to get all squiggly on me. Just calm down and relax. The game's not going anywhere. The food's going to be warm when you get outside. Your kids will be there. We carved out time for the Holy Spirit. We're going to have our prayer teams at every campus come up right now. Prayer teams are going to come up, and they're available to you. And here's why they're available. Because of the prayer and community. And they want to pray with and for you. And, and here's the thing. Here's the big prayer. God, I want more of your Holy Spirit. I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, I want you to fill my life with your Holy Spirit. I want you to give me a supernatural faith, God. I'm going through some things. I want you to heal my body, God. And, and, and in these few moments, we're going to worship and we're going to pray. We're going to do what they did in the Holy Spirit's fault. And I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. Because the environment that the Holy Spirit spoke in is being set right now. So we're going to worship a little bit. And I want you, see, some of you are the 92%. You're like, Ralph, I ain't never really in. I'm one of the guys, man, that I, I just walk out. Today is your day to take a leap of faith and just walk up to somebody else and say, pray with me. Some of you live in a private Christian life. Today is your day. Some of you, the marriage is on the rocks. You sitting next to her right now. You sitting next to him right now and y'all got a little bit of, even though y'all sitting close to each other spiritually, there's a separation. Today's the day. Let us agree with you that the Holy Spirit is going to do something in your life special today. We're going to seal this weekend with prayer. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.